Welcome to Book Bistro, where book enthusiasts come to chat about the books they love in a warm and supportive environment. Today is April 30th. 2019. I'm Shannon, and I am here with the second of three author interviews. Today's interview is with debut novelist Bev Thomas, and this was an interview that was done over Skype, so I apologize for a certain amount of interference in the audio quality of the call. Christine did work some of her editing magic and cleared it up somewhat, but there is still a little bit of distortion in some places, and I do apologize for that. Sometimes Skype calls are not quite as clear as we might like, but I hope you enjoy this interview. That is the only thing this episode contains. Um, there's no chatting afterwards or anything, so it's a little bit of a shorter episode, but I do hope you enjoy it. Before I move on to the actual interview, I just have the usual housekeeping information. You can find us on Facebook by searching Book Bistro Podcast. Once you're there, you can like and or follow the page. You can also join our Facebook listener group where you can chat with us about books. Um, you can chat with us and with other listeners to the podcast, so we would definitely like to have you there if you're interested in hanging out with us that way. If you'd like to get a hold of us for any reason, if you have questions or comments or suggestions, uh, pretty much anything at all, you can do that via Facebook or by sending us an email. And that email address is thebookbistropodcast at gmail.com. All right, so let us get into the interview now. Again, this is author Bev Thomas, and her novel is called A Good Enough Mother. Good morning, and welcome to another edition of the Book Bistro podcast. I'm Shannon, and I am here today with debut author Bev Thomas. Her first novel, which is called A Good Enough Mother, is out today, and we are very excited to be chatting with her today. Bev, welcome to Book Bistro. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Thank you. So this is always my favorite day of the week, because here in the U.S., Books are released on Tuesday, and so it is my favorite. But before we talk about all kinds of book things, could you start by giving our listeners a bit of an introduction to A Good Enough Mother? Sure, yes. So um, A Good Enough Mother is, um, uh, the protagonist is Ruth Hartland, who is a psychotherapist, and so it's very much set in in that world. Uh, she's a, the director of a trauma unit. Um, so she's completely on top of her game in terms of her profession. Um, but her private life is in some turmoil. And so when we open the book, um, we learn that she's the mother of twins and her 17-year-old son, Tom, is missing and he, she doesn't know where he is. So really the opening few pages, she's walking down to collect a new... Um, uh, client and in that moment as she's walking towards him he looks shockingly like 
her missing son, Tom. And for a moment, she absolutely believes it is him. Um, so she's full up with all of those emotions. And then as she gets closer, it's not, of course, her son. So really, that's really where things uh, sort of the book kicks off. And um, there's a sort of unraveling for her as a result. So I read this book over the weekend um, in preparation for the interview. And yeah. one of the things that struck me the most about it was Ruth herself. Yeah. Um, she is such a complex character. And I mm. really enjoyed watching her layers kind of peel back so that we could see kind of who she really is and what goes on inside of her. Was it difficult for you to write her? Well, I was very interested in her. I mean, it, it, I'm very pleased to hear you say that, you know, there are sort of layers to pull back and her complexities. I, I was very interested in writing a quite a complicated character. I mean, she's got a complicated backstory. Um, she, her mother had um, alcohol problems, so she was sort of a kind of a child carer, as it were, for her mother. We have glimpses into her background maybe which has made her you know a really skilled therapist that she is today but I, I was also very interested in putting obstacles um emotional and psychological obstacles in front of her so that the reader would be with her on that journey um you know what would she do in that situation what would you do in that situation what what you know it's, it's quite a sort of um intense uh depiction of somebody i hope um so that i think the reader then is also asking themselves would i do that would i not do that and my, my sense already here from book clubs is that people it provokes and promotes quite lively discussion yes i yes. can definitely see that yeah um i have a social work background and so i was especially interested in mm. the way the novel focused on therapy as it relates mm. to trauma yeah. Um, you have a professional background in mental health as well, correct? Yes, that's right. Yeah. How so much I, did you pull from that background when writing this novel? Yeah, so I trained as a clinical psychologist and worked for a number of years um, uh, in the field. And then I moved slightly um, away from um, uh, therapy to work with staff teams, which is, which is what I do now, mainly in mental health. So it is my world. I have worked for many years in this field. So I guess what I was interested in is, um, so while all the kind of casework, the story, the sort of individuals that she sees, they're all made up from my imagination. I The world is authentic. And I guess I was very interested in really um, uh, locating a novel, a fictional um, story, um, in the therapy world I, th I think often in books the therapy becomes a bit of a plot device as opposed to being the world so I was kind of you know so if somebody goes to see a therapist there's a there's a big reveal something happens and so the plot rolls on and I think I really was very keen on making the therapy the plot if that makes sense so you know it gave me an opportunity to explore really detailed stuff about the therapeutic process well you know the, the, there's also a kind of very gripping narrative at the same time. So it was kind of dual fold for me. Well, and I thought it did a great job allowing the therapy to be kind of the vehicle that moves the mm. plot forward while totally immersing the reader kind of in that process and how it affects both Ruth and the young man that she's attempting to treat. 
Um, and so I, I applaud you for creating a world that feels so very real. Oh, thank you very much. You're very welcome. How was it for you to write a thriller? Did you feel like you knew kind of all the twists and turns the story would take as like ahead of time? Or did you kind of let it evolve as you sat down and wrote the novel? Yeah, it very much, I mean, I did know, I knew where it was going to start. And I also knew how it was going to end. And obviously without giving anything away about that, it was very clear to me what was going to happen at the end. Um, so, but I, but I, I was very, rather than kind of plotting it, I guess I was constantly asking myself, what you know well to to kick the story off what's the very worst thing that could happen for Ruth Hartland given her son is missing the very worst thing that could happen for her is that she sees a client who looks like her son so each time I was kind of psychologically testing my character and my characters the other characters too but predominantly obviously Ruth um, as the protagonist so that she was having to make decisions um, each time something happened so rather than um, the the, the sort of characters fitting around the plot, it, it felt to me like it was the other way around. The plot sort of emerged from some of these character decisions. I love that. I know that people have very individual processes when it comes to writing. Mm. And I love learning kind of how people make the craft of writing work for them. Yeah. So can we talk a little bit about your journey into writing? Obviously, you have spent a lot of time working in a career that's not not writing. What inspired you to write a novel? Yeah, well, it's interesting because I, I think when you see people, um, when people come to therapy, whether it's short term for one session or, you know, they come for an assessment or whether they see you for a while, really it's it's very much about um helping someone tell their life story so i think that stories are such an in, integrative part of the therapy process so um you know often that's looking forward and back it might be making sense for somebody of what's going on right now in the present and maybe linking that backwards but ultimately you're helping them make sense of something and you know coming to um you know, a, a rounded sense of of understanding their story. So in a way, it wasn't a million miles for me to sort of start writing stories, having kind of listened to many really extraordinary stories over the years, you know, not some of which sort of stranger than fiction, I can assure you. Uh, and particularly if you've been in the field yourself, I'm sure you know that. Um, but yeah, I, yeah. I, So I had always been interested in writing, but I think I had very much sort of said to myself, well, I won't write anything in the world that I work in. So I sort of did some historical fiction. I did some other stuff, none of which really landed very well. Um, for me, it just didn't kind of work, really. So I think it was um, my reluctance was to sort of, I didn't want to, the focus to be a client. And I, as soon as I think I'd suddenly realised, well, actually, the it could be the therapist who is grieving. And that um, is the kind of crux of the story, the therapist is good at her job but she has a kind of Achilles heel once I'd sort of had that idea then it really rolled out really rolled out from there and and I think obviously there's some real advantages so now I see in um being able to explore a world that is very familiar to you because people like being in a, immersed don't they in a world that they don't know um so it's been good for me <laughs> Yes, they do say, write what you know. Yeah, it's really interesting. And I, I think I I just, 
maybe the story hadn't occurred to me, uh, but I, I, I don't know whether I was deliberately not writing, but it just maybe the story wasn't there. As soon as the story was there, you know, it really did flow um, really fairly easily. It, it was a really enjoyable process writing it. And partly as well, I think that when you're very familiar with the world, of course, you can see how I, I could see quite quickly how to use the the actual therapy to be integrative to the plot rather than the other way around if that if that makes sense you know it wasn't an add-on it, it was it was the work it was the, the yeah, plot yeah. yeah so how long did it take you to write a good enough mother um that it's it's quite hard to say really because I was working pretty much full-time while I was doing it and you know I think probably I started it um it spanned about three years, I'd say, maybe a little bit more, um, with the last year really dedicating quite a chunk of time to it, whereas the first couple, it was quite sporadic. I think once I'd got the whole sense of where it was going, I really just wanted to have a chunk of time to kind of get it down on paper, as it were, because it was sort of, it was really there. Um, but, you know, man, juggling time with, uh, you know, family and job and everything else. It was never quite the stretch of time that I had in mind. So, um, yeah, but yeah, it was really, I really enjoyed, I really enjoyed writing it. So now it's out and people can pick it up and read it. And how does that feel for you? I imagine it's like a pretty huge thing to know that your words are now out in the world available to so many people. Yeah, it's very, um, it's very surreal and I'm not sure I'm kind of entirely used to it yet. It's, it's really fantastic. And I think that really having been writing for a long time, I think one of the things that is really amazing is to really experience what it's like to have a readership. Because of course, you know, I, I wanted to write in order to connect in some way to, readers so of course this is such a joy you know people will have a response to it which of course if you're just writing and it's just sort of going in a box you know the bottom of your drawer (laughs) you don't really have any kind of connection really so um so it's exciting I also think that probably when you're writing it is really your business to write it and once it's out in the world it really you do have to let it go so I also think that you know part of that process of of it being released into the world is it's it's not mine to control anymore. Right? You know, people will have views, all sorts of views about it. So um, yeah, it's a, it's an interesting process. So are you much of a reader yourself? Like in your spare time, have books played a big part in your life? Yes, I've always um, I've always loved uh, reading, and I, I also really do remember that. Um, uh, I think it was something mean, lots of people have said it, but I definitely remember reading it in um, Stephen King's fantastic book on writing where he talks about writers really need to write a lot and they need to read a lot. And I do think it's really just the best advice. I, I think he always advocates reading anything and everything and lots of it so that you can sort of form an opinion and just get used to reading other people's words. So I have always really liked um, reading and I think it's, you know, not not really particularly any particular type of book, but I think it's um it's it's a it's a great joy to read. I have to say, with the edits and the work in the run up to this, I've had less time to read other people's books, but I'm really looking forward to getting to my big to be read pile <laughs> um, and uh, you know spending some time with other people's books and words soon. So, what are you particularly looking forward to reading now that you have a bit more time? 
Um, well, I'm, I've had a sort of stack of books that have been um, sent over and, and they're just sort of sitting there in a pile. One book I have um, recently read is uh, a book called The Trauma Cleaner, which was very um, good, which is non-fiction. So I've been reading some non-fiction, actually. Um, partly, I think, in the run up to doing this um, book, I was kind of left um, with a kind of real craving for more sort of non-fiction. But I haven't read so much um fiction recently so i i will have to look at my look at my look at my pile and uh pick something out now the spring is coming so um yeah yeah there's nothing better than just a huge pile i know books where you can just like go through and pick the one that calls to you yeah exactly exactly and i haven't really had chance to look at them to see which one's doing that but next week i will so uh yeah so do you have a book that kind of kindled your love of reading? Was there kind of that pivotal book that made you realize that books were a type of magic for you? Uh, I don't really. I don't have a particular fiction book that I kind of go back to or that sparked everything. But I mean, books were always a really big part of growing up. You know, my dad was a, a good, a really big reader, loved having books. You know, books was a thing that we kind of crammed into our um house every you know surface was turned into a bookshelf so the books were always part of our um life and I think that um I also really do enjoy books that are written on the writing process as well which you know not all writers are that interested in that or some are and some aren't but I have really enjoyed some um really key texts on that as well on 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 the sort of writing process and some of those are books that I go back to as well um you know, just to sort of read again, um, to remind myself of that process. So now that you have published this, are you thinking of going for a second round? Are you working on anything new currently? Yes. Yes. I, 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 um, I've just recently started, I had an idea that I had been kind of thinking about and, um, for a while and, uh, not really having the headspace to sort of put pen to paper or spend any time with it but just the last few weeks I've started working on something new and I think that's probably a really good and healthy thing to start doing when your book is out in the world so you might be doing some uh, promotional things and talking about it which is all really wonderful but actually it's sort of it's finding its own way now so I'm, I'm really looking forward to you know crafting and spending time you know on something else so that's sort of um, bubbling up for me now which is great. Do you see writing being a big part of your life moving forward? Like, will you be devoting a certain amount of your your time to it now and trying to work that into a thing that you kind of prioritize? Yes, absolutely. I mean, I think before, up until this point, it was something that really had to fit around everything else. And now it feels like um, I'm going to be able to really give it some proper uh, space and time in my week, which is wonderful. So... Um, I'm very keen to continue doing um, some of my work, but I think the, the the scales are going to shift a little bit so that it's not something that's kind of way down on the list. I, I enjoy it too much, but I, I think it's also having that balance in my week. So, yeah, I think it will. there will be some absolutely prescribed days and times where that's kind of what I do now. I, I'm writing another book, so um, I'm looking forward to I'm looking forward to starting spending some of that time. Uh, and, and keeping some of the work going, too. Well, I will definitely be eager to see what your next idea yields. 
And I'm wondering if you could give listeners a bit of information, just how can they, how can they get a hold of you? How can they learn more about you and kind of, you know, keep an eye on what you're working on and how your, um, how your career is going? Sure. I mean, I am, I've got a, um, I'm developing a writer's uh, website at the moment, but it's not complete. So at the moment I'm, I'm mainly on um, Twitter. So Bev Thomas 20 is my um, Twitter uh, uh, contact. Um, and I will obviously then um, on the Twitter sort of be putting what my, um, you know, my writer website will be in the next month or so when that's completed. So yeah, I'll, I'll, um, I'll make sure that's, that's available for people. Excellent. So Twitter, that is the best way to kind of get hold of you. And yeah, that's perfect. So do you have any last minute things that you would like listeners to know about you or your work or your process, just anything that you feel like would be beneficial for people to know? I mean, I, I think I was asked uh, with some students the other day what if I had to sort of say what 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 would be my kind of writing tip really, and it, it's 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 a tricky one, but I, I do think there is something about perseverance <laughs> and keeping going, and sometimes not all of your ideas and not all of your efforts will actually come to something and work, and I think that's part of the process, and I think it's trying to manage. Uh, rejection but it's also trying to manage when projects perhaps don't work in the way that you want them to work and knowing when to kind of let them go and think okay well I'm not enjoying this anymore I need to move on to something else and keep going if you're if, if you if you're enjoying it I think you should keep going if you're not enjoying it then there's probably many other things to um amuse yourself today if you're not enjoying <laughs> writing <laughs> so I suppose that would be my main thing is that if you're enjoying it keep going but also know when to sort of move away from a project and start something else you know not not all of them are going to work I certainly didn't for me did you find yourself getting stuck at different points like writing this novel and if so what did you do to get past that Mm, I I have I didn't so much get stuck with this one because of constantly asking myself the question what would need to happen? What would need to happen now to 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 move things um, forward? I mean, one of the things I did was quite tricky when it came to the sort of editing process is that we, because there's a dual narrative, so we have the present, which is the work that Ruth is doing with um, the 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 new client Dan, but we also have the backstory, which where we there's another mystery which is being unravelled, which is what's happened to Tom, and of course they do then come together at the end. They sort of collide together but one of the things that was sort of obvious when I came to the sort of editing process is that you know um the timeline was completely skewed and all out to the point that one of my copy editors said you do realize that you know um this character has been pregnant for about 18 months <laughs> you, really <need> to, <laughs> you really need to sort this out you know so of course seasons had to change birthdays had to change you know so stuff that you kind of put on the back burner, um, you know, the eagle-eyed um, copy editor notices straight away, and thank goodness they did. Um, so I think things like that, I think you you can't really worry about those when you're writing, but they will always, it was the sort of thing I thought, oh, I'll come to that, I'll come to that. And of course, it you know, it comes back to haunt you <laughs> in the end. Are you planning to release this as an audiobook? Yes, it is. Um, it is. I'm not quite sure whether it's out yet as a, uh, an audio book, but um, it's it certainly is out here in the UK. And I understand that that version is also being released 
um, by Penguin Random House. Um, and the narrator is the wonderful Rebecca Lacey. And it's a really fantastic, um, gripping listen. So, uh, yeah, I would also recommend that to people too. Amazing. Well, I want to thank you one more time for joining me today. I am a big mystery thriller reader. Um, I read a lot of things, but mysteries and thrillers are kind of my, my catnip at the moment. Right. So I want to thank you for not only joining me here, but for writing a book that kind of ticked all of those boxes with a dual narrative and just a, a lovely heroine that I was so delighted to get to know. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. And for our listeners, this again is A Good Enough Mother by Bev Thomas. And by the time you listen to this on Friday, this will have been out for a couple of days. So definitely Go pick it up wherever you get your books or audiobooks. And that brings us to the close of today's episode. I want to, of course, thank Bev Thomas for sharing some time with me on the release day of her first book, a very exciting day for her, for sure. And of course, thanks goes out to Christine for all the fantastic editing that she does on each and every Book Bistro episode. And thanks to all of you who have listened, whether you are listening for the first time today or whether you're a longtime listener, we definitely appreciate you taking the time to listen to the show. If you would like to let us know how we're doing, you can do that by leaving a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts or any other platform you use to access the show. Not only does it provide us some feedback, but it also helps other listeners find their way to Book Bistro, which we like a lot. So I will be back next Tuesday morning with some more new release information, and some number of us will be back on Friday with more greatness. Take care, everybody.